Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome in to the Boys and Girl Podcast with Cowboys NFL Network reporter Jane Slater and NFL Network producer Bobby Belt. A Cowboys community with the inside scoop on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, coming straight to you from the Lone Star State, here's Jane and Bobby. Well, Bobby, I joked about it on Twitter this week. It felt so good to not only talk football, but football in the sense that it got Cowboys Twitter talking again. In fact, feeling alive following news that myself, Tom Pelissero, and Ian Rappaport reported late on Wednesday night, the acquisition of former Vikings defensive end Everson Griffin. What were your thoughts, Bobby? So uh, this is really interesting because I think that when you look at – I think we're seeing a definite shift. Um, I think you and I talked about this earlier in the offseason, that when you look at the amount of guaranteed money they handed out this offseason to outside free agents, Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe, uh, HaHa Clinton Dix, things like that, that they were, they're really investing in outside free agents more than they have in their time under Jason Garrett. And this just speaks further to it, going out there and taking this gamble on Everson Griffin the way they sort of did with Robert Quinn. And, uh, you know, I think that, there's still a lot of left, you know, there's still a lot left in the tank with Everson Griffin. He's a, you know, four-time pro bowler. He's had 10 sacks in a season, three different times. Uh, last season had eight sacks, uh, 10 years in the league now, grizzled veteran, but you know, it seems like there's still a lot more left in the tank, but it is interesting to note how the Cowboys have kind of shifted a little bit from, you know, we're just drafting young and we're looking to replace, you know, people with younger talent that they're going a little bit more in this direction of maybe we've lacked something, in terms of veteran presence in the locker room, something that Michael Bennett seemed to see when he got here and that they're saying, you know what, now we're going to go out there and we're going to invest in some of these guys who have been around the block a little bit and and bring some of these younger guys along. And let's not underestimate what I'm finding in some of the acquisitions of these free agents, the Cowboys finally winning out uh, on a lot of these free agents. I mean, we've talked in years past, they've gone to the Rams, they've gone to the Saints, um, it's my understanding that a lot of these players are coming because of their relationship with McCarthy. Uh, Alden Smith, we talked about McCarthy before he even took the Cowboys job, was out there uh, in December last offseason at Unbreakable Performance, had meetings with Alden Smith, felt good enough about him, bring him on board. Uh, guys like, I believe it was Don Terry Poe, 
wasn't he one of them or was it Gerald McCoy that spoke to uh, McCarthy's influence? And now when I reached out about Everson Griffin because the uh, Seattle Seahawks were very much in play, I was told the reason why he wanted to come to Dallas was not only a chance at the Super Bowl, which I love Twitter, they scoff at that, uh, but also McCarthy, his relationship with them, but his familiarity with other guys on this coaching staff, and namely George Edwards, who, of course, was with him uh, with the Vikings. Harrison Smith, in fact, when I caught up with him at the Pro Bowl and asked about George Edwards, he talked about what a tremendous loss it was to lose him uh, because he was so valuable to them, specifically the defense. So I do think that's interesting. Bobby, I know on Twitter you alluded to the fact that there has been this narrative out there that uh, there's something a little off with Everson Griffin as it relates to people and their takeaways in dealing with Everson. Without getting mm-hmm. into too much of that, because I, I don't want to put some speculation out there, I received similar texts uh, from media members who had said things along the line of good luck with uh, Everson down there in Dallas. I haven't had much interaction with him, but with that being said, I think you've got to go and talk to the guys that have been in the locker room, which I did. I not only talked to a coach, but two former teammates. And the takeaways that I got was one called him the locker room MVP. Another said one of the top three players that he's ever played with. And then I was also told that this was, he was shocked that it took so long for a team to pick him up. Uh, and that this guy was going to be an absolute beast for them, but literally considered him the locker room MVP. I think that says a lot about it. Maybe he's difficult in his interactions with the media. We've certainly dealt with that uh, with players in the past, but I think if he can gel with his teammates and make a contribution on this defensive line opposite DeMarcus Lawrence, that's a good thing for the Cowboys. Yeah, and I mean, look, some of it, I, I think, you know, we don't have to deal completely in speculation. We can look at things that are, are out there. Uh, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network, of course, he he wrote uh, a piece this offseason in, in an interview with Everson Griffin, where Everson Griffin, you know, he, he spent time, you know, uh, treating a lot of things relating to alcohol. And he, uh, you know, there was an issue in 2018 where uh, very publicly the Vikings had said they didn't want him back in the facility until he had, you know, gone through a mental health evaluation and so there is a little bit of a question of these things that some people may see as, you know, problems or issues a la Alden Smith or, or Randy Gregory, that they may similarly apply to Everson Griffin, that it's, it's not so much, you know, a hothead streak or anything else, that it's more related to, um, you know, just, just dealing with the challenges, like a lot of people, of, of mental health and mental health concerns. And, and, you know, it seems like a lot of people, Everson included, like I say in that interview he gave to Tom Pelissero, who feels like Everson's in a good spot now. Uh, and I, you know, I think that with George Edwards here, he probably has a good grasp on where Everson is and how he's progressed over the last couple of years and must be confident enough to bring him in here. But I, I do think it also goes without saying that as much as there is some positivity building here, the Cowboys un- undoubtedly know that there are risks involved here, just like there are risks involved in going out and getting Alden Smith. So, uh, it's an exciting thing. It's a big deal, you know, in terms of like, it's a great deal. It's a bargain one year, $6 million with 3 million of that tied up in roster bonuses and being active and things like that. Um, so it's a good deal, but it is something the Cowboys fans should at least have the awareness that there are some challenges here and the Cowboys are aware of those and they're willing to take those on. Well, and speaking to that, you know, I, I did talk to one of my Cowboys sources specifically about what was it about Everson that you, that you liked. Um, and, and I was basically told, look, there's a couple of things that they love about him, and, and I'll read it out. Uh, they've had their eye on him for a while. The conversations have been ongoing. Uh, they graded him out when he was a free agent. 
uh, adds another difference-making pass rusher that plays all three downs, high motor, loves football. And I think that's important. That's an important distinction because we've seen guys in Dallas that don't love football. Mm -hmm. And to your Alden Smith point, I think what the Cowboys have done, they've rolled the dice on. I mean, we've seen the Rolando McLean thing not work out. And, you know, even the Randy Gregory ex experiment, you could argue, didn't work out for them. But I don't think you could ever dispute that Randy loves football. Uh, you and I sure. have talked to Randy. There, there are some legitimate anxiety and, and personal issues that he coped with, something that they've, if we want to call it for lack of a better word, decriminalized in the NFL, which is the marijuana policy. So you and I have kept our eye on that situation. I think you and I, wouldn't you say, are, are pretty optimistic that we're going to see Randy Gregory back this year. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think um, uh, I, I think that's a, a good bet. I, I think that, you know, he's in a, a good space mentally. And I think, you know, uh, outside of just what we hear, you see, you know, other colleagues like Calvin Watkins reporting that, you know, he's talking to people who are saying the Cowboys are optimistic he's going to get it if he just, you know, remains patient uh, and and prepares for the season the right way. And I think that, you know, he's been doing that. He's uh, been working out. He's He's been doing, you know, a lot of things off the field to make sure that he's where he needs to be, um, both I think mentally and, and what he does off the field and also making sure that he's prepared for when the call comes and he's ready to go out there. But certainly, I mean, if you're able to get Randy Gregory back and, and you've got Alden Smith at even, you know, half of what he was at his peak when he was with the 49ers, um, and then you've got Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe, two former pro bowlers, Demarcus Lawrence, who you've invested a lot in. Uh, you've drafted Neville Gallimore, a guy you had a, a higher grade on than where you picked him. And now you're adding a, a guy like, uh, you know, Everson Griffin here. Uh, it's, it's been a pretty savvy year for the Cowboys in terms of replenishing what they lost. Um, you know, even in losing Robert Quinn the way they did, they're probably in line for a third or fourth round comp pick. So they picked up a draft pick, probably replaced closely – the production uh, with Everson Griffin stepping in for Robert Quinn. And so I, I think in general, it's been a really successful off season and the Cowboys hope that can continue to build and, and continue to, you know, lather icing on the cake if, if Randy Gregory is able to come back. And so exciting to finally be able to watch practice uh, this week. And so we'll be able to start digging into some of these position battles. A question that I asked, if you're listening to the state of the union address, a little tricky to get questions in. Uh, obviously, all of us chomping at the bit uh, to ask McCarthy, Jerry, who we have not heard from in months, remarkably a man that is typically very present as it relates to topics and issues that relate to the NFL, especially when the NFL is looking for a level of optimism. Normally, Jerry's there. Haven't heard from Jerry. Mm -hmm. I do believe, because this is Jerry, he talked about rabbit ears. And he's listening. And, you know, he once talked about how he literally is going down there and talking to the guy that's getting the garbage and the guy that's, you know, selling his Pepsi drinks at the start. He literally is constantly getting input. I think that's what makes him, I've long joked that he is the Imagineer. He's the Walt Disney of the NFL. And so I think he has wisely stepped back and used those rabbit ears to sort of collect information this off season, but yeah, all of us reporters stepping on each other, just trying to you know, <laughs> ask a number of questions. And there weren't many football questions that were asked admittedly. I tried, uh, no such luck, but I digress. We'll be able to start looking at some of these position battles, uh, obviously starting Friday and then really digging into it. Third week is when uh, they're allowed to get in a pad. So right now it's going to be shells and helmets. Uh, so still a little far away from seeing um, actual, uh, physical contact. If you haven't watched Hard Knocks, by the way, on HBO, 
I tried to explain to friends and family what the dynamic at practice looks like and the COVID protocols and what even us and the media are going through. It is a fascinating behind the scenes look of what's going on because we are only allowed to shoot 15 minutes of it. We'll obviously mm -hmm. be able to be there for the two hours of practice, but no video. It's not going to be a training camp like we typically have out in Oxnard at NFL Network where we're doing live look-ins and we're showing you the bull in the ring or the wide receiver battles, which I loved. I lo my favorite battles are always the wide receivers and the corners and how fun yeah. here have been to watch the wide receivers and the corners. Uh, but just going back to the defensive line, that's going to be fun to watch because at right end, we're talking Everson Griffin, Tyrone Crawford when he comes back from his injury, Don Terry Poe, Antoine Woods at your nose tackle, three technique, Gerald McCoy, and as you said, Neville Gallimore, left end to Marcus Lawrence, and then for your defensive pass rushers, Alton Smith and Chaykin Smith. <laughs> Not bad. I mean, we've been talking so much about this offense and the depth that they've got, which, by the way, also, Bobby, uh, we got Mike McCarthy to at least say Joe Looney center. Not a big shock there. Uh, Connor Williams coming back from an injury and uh, Connor McGovern at left guard. So we'll, again, we'll be able to give you a little bit more of those eyes and ears as practice gets underway. Uh, but yeah, I just, it, I'm, I'm personally ready to watch football. What are some of the, yeah. what are some of the position battles you're looking forward to? What do you think? We just talked about offense and the depth and now this defensive line you think safety corner still questions for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, when you look at the fact that uh, Byron Jones is gone now and they've uh, got a guy in, you know, in their secondary, you look at their corners of, you know, Cheeto and uh, Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown, and yet they use two of their first four picks in the draft on cornerbacks. So they're clearly not totally sold on what they have at corner. There seems to be some discussion about, well, okay, maybe – uh, Cheeto would do some work at safety like he did at Colorado and, and become sort of more a position flex guy. Um, and, you know, they brought in Daryl Worley, who has some experience playing both sides. And so uh, that's really unsettled. I'm going to be interested to see where guys are lining up there and, and where they stack up on the depth chart. Uh, I'll be interested to see how Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch are just moving at linebacker after, you know, Leighton missed uh, most of last year and and Jalen seemed to kind of regress and have some issues with uh, his sideline to sideline and, and lateral movement. So that'll be really interesting. Uh, I, I'm interested in reference to the and, defensive and line. Real, well, and real yeah. quick, Bobby, for people that are kind of curious what that's going to look like with Leighton doing a little bit more mm -hmm. of the rushing at that Mike position. Remember Ron Slavin, who we've had on our show, Leighton Vandersh's agent. And I think even Leighton addresses a little bit. Go put in the tape of Cowboys versus Saints at home. Cowboys, of course, won that game. It was a big shocker. Uh, in the Saints season, he was flying all over the football field. That'll give you sort of an indication of him playing a little bit more loose, what that's going to look like. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think gives you kind of a better idea of what they mean by multiple, the way they presented the defense that day. And, and you know, if you look at like New England and some of these other teams, that the way they play defense, it's sort of the same way that, you know, they're going to want to try. And we, we've heard a little bit of discussion about how there was kind of the, uh, you know, as much as the criticism on the offense was, we just present it for you and we're going to line up and beat you and we're not going to try and trick you. Um, that seemed to kind of be a criticism coming out of last year about the defense that, you know, we heard about corners being frustrated about the type of press coverage they were allowed to play and, and, you know, what they were allowed to show. And, and so I think that, you know, that's going to be a change this year with Mike Nolan and, and some of the other people coming in here that they're going to look to, to change that up a little bit. Um, I am interested that, you know, when you ran through the list of defensive linemen there, you know, one guy you didn't mention was uh, Tristan Hill. 
and this is a new coaching it, staff Bobby. here. I'm Don't just saying this it. is. I'm just saying it, it's fascinating that I think we could be walking into a, a training Taco camp here where, where after one year, your second round pick is potentially on the bubble. That this is, you know, there, there's no guarantees that he's going to be here uh, on the 53-man roster when the season begins. And so that also speaks to the type of talent they've stacked up there, that that's even a question. Because uh, I think in years past, you've kind of said, you know, well, it's so thin, it doesn't matter that they're necessarily performing, we're, we're keeping them anyway. But uh, a lot of interesting things, I think, on the defensive side of the football and interested to see uh, kind of how things play out there at left guard and center and, and some of those things. I'm so proud of your maturity, not going there and, and killing these young kids. I'm you know, not. Sometimes, sometimes I have to come at you because I see what you put on Twitter, Bobby, and I love it. Uh, <laughs> you take these emotional positions. You are, of course, the president of the Dak Prescott fan club, which I appreciate. I am. I wish I was as passionate. The only thing that I can possibly equate similar passion to is my love of Taylor Swift. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I am. Team Taylor, I, I think that's pretty clear now, but I, I appreciate your passion. Uh, but you certainly buried Taco Charlton back in the day, and I was waiting for you to bury uh, sweet Tristan Hill. Can, so, can, yeah. can I, can it I feels say – like low-hanging fruit. Let, let, let me tell you about uh, – this is actually a, a good story about where I hopefully have matured some. And I remember I, I actually had this conversation with somebody uh, with the Cowboys – that we were having this talk about how I had been critical of Taco. And then I realized, like, I got to kind of pull back. I'm, I'm being way too aggressive here. And, uh, you know, they, they kind of pointed out to me that, like, maybe he does have rabbit ears. Maybe he hears too much. Maybe he searches his own name. Maybe he sees those things. But at that point, if you know that, there is a little bit of a responsibility that shifts to you and the way you talk about him and the way that you affect his confidence and the way that you talk about him. And that isn't necessary to kind of dogpile onto a guy when you know he does have those rabbit ears. It's his responsibility to try and block out the noise as best as possible, but don't just throw out the noise for him to have to block out. You know, just, just be fair about it. And that was, that was a conversation I had a couple of years ago, and I was like, you know what, that's fair, and I do need to be better. And I feel like I've hopefully since that conversation been better about not just teeing off on guys. You is, but that's what I love about you is you are a football fan first, and your passion shows, uh, but now remember. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that you're finding a little objectivity <laughs> in your evaluation of these young guys. Yes. Speaking of Dak, I've said this from day one. I will never forget my first conversation with Dak. It was on the football field in Oxnard uh, right after Kellen Moore had gotten hurt, uh, mm -hmm. after Tony Romo had gotten hurt, and him talking about – I'm a big fan of vision boards and manifestation. I love the secret. I love if you, if you visualize it, it will happen. If you believe it, you'll succeed at it. And that has been Dak. I mean, he talked about, even as a rookie, laying in his bed at night and going over the plays in his head. You know, everyone gives him so much angst with, with the torque twist on the football field. I mean, everything he does is very <laughs> deliberate, his preparation. The guy went out and, and talked to us about, you know, his dream was to always have a football field and, Without saying it, he's very diplomatic for a young age. And I thought Jerry hit the nail on the head when he said, to paraphrase, this is one of the most mature young guys that he's been around. Mm -hmm. I, I feel the same way about him. And to be fair, he's been through a lot at a young age with the death of his mother and, of course, uh, the loss of his brother this summer, which was awful. And if you were following the presser, you saw he had a hard time keeping it together. He doesn't show mm -hmm. a lot of emotion. His, uh, that, was, that was a hard one for me to watch. 
Uh, but just the way that he compartmentalizes things, the way he handles himself. And if you missed the presser, I think a lot of people have wanted to know, Dak, you didn't get the contract done. Stephen Jones conceded. They talked to the deadline, as I had reported, after those conversations had failed. Here's what he had to say about the way he's approaching this season and the fact that contract didn't get done. Business is business, and once I'm in the uh, in the locker room and part of this, uh, a part of what's going on now, I don't focus too much about the future, uh, just more about today. Um, and so, with that being said, I'm excited as hell to be a Dallas Cowboy. Uh, I've been a fan of this organization and been a fan of this program for for years. Uh, I love every bit of um, the opportunity and the platform that I get to be the quarterback here. I love this team. I'm excited about what we have, uh, what we what we can do and accomplish this year. So. Um, no frustration as far as that. Uh, once again, I believe something will get done. And with my hopes, I believe I'll be a Dallas Cowboy uh, for the rest of my career. So The other thing that stood out for me, Bobby, was I don't know if he was throwing shade because <laughs> I know that Dak was and is a fan of Jason Garrett. Yeah. A lot of people took it that way. I'm going to play this clip for you, and I want your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely different, um, but different's good at times, and I think it is here. I mean, he's done a great job of, of uh, coming in and bringing uh, some of his tools and some of or a lot of his knowledge uh, to this offense, and just, I mean, he's a very, very genuine guy, and I think that's the, the first thing that hit off with the team. Uh, when he got in front of the team and, and he walks around the building as you feel it, uh, when he talks, you hear it, uh, and then you see it just in his actions. So, I mean, I think that's huge. Um, when you're coaching a football team and when you're being a leader, uh, to be genuine like that uh, and to be transparent, and that's the way he's been. Um, but his knowledge and the way he can, uh, he can help this offense and the way that he can allow me to grow as a quarterback, knowing all the guys he's coached before, it's nothing, nothing but excitement uh, coming from my end, and I know a lot of the guys in this locker room. If I know Dak, Bobby, that wasn't so much Jason Garrett didn't make the team smart about football. That was him taking ownership of as a collective group, they've had their moments. I could be wrong. No, I, I think you're right. And I think generally Dak is, Dak is generally going to be as fair as he possibly can. You know, he's not going to lay it all out on the line. We've heard internally from players that, like, you know, the, the guy at practice, the, the guy who holds you accountable and, and is commanding the room, he, he's a different guy there than he is in front of us when he stands up there and he's being the diplomat. And And so I think that, I don't think there's any doubt he respects Jason Garrett. He thinks highly of Jason Garrett. I, I think in a lot of ways they are very similar in their mindset to, in terms of how to approach football, how to approach the media, how to approach being a Dallas Cowboy. Um, and so I think he does have a lot of respect for him, but I think he also is aware enough to notice where faults were with the last regime. And even if he is a fan of them, I think it's, you know, this is something that's improved. This is something that's better. And so I don't think it's shade as much as it's just, trying to give an honest evaluation uh, of, of where things were and, and how things are different. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. And I thought what was really interesting is they haven't spent a lot of time talking. And, and I even addressed this with uh, Mike in our very first sit down when he took the mm-hmm. job because he spent so much time with Aaron Rodgers in the off season because the CBA allowed that. It simply yeah. is not the case anymore. I mean, I guess you could in theory, you know, instead of going to Duke basketball games with your head coach, you could go watch film and keep it on the DL, I suppose. <laughs> uh a lot of things just weren't working for Mike this off season with COVID and the, the holdout. And so I think that it, it's fascinating the situation they all find themselves in, but I got the sense that in their limited time together, and maybe it's the resume and the skins on the wall, but just his reverence for Mike already and the way he commands a room. Look, even as a reporter, I, he and I have talked about this. I love it. Like, he sort of commands your respect. Uh, Mike, not saying that Jason didn't, there's just this air about him. And, and maybe, that, like I said, that comes with having skins on the wall. But it is, he, when Dak said they are different, I didn't take it as shade. It's just they are. Yeah, I, I think it's just an honest assessment. I think both of them are uh, very big on discipline and, and being disciplined. I just think they have different ways of going about it. Jason Garrett, uh, you know, enforced discipline with routine and, and consistency, and, and that was his thing. And I think that it's just Mike McCarthy's way of enforcing discipline seems to be a little more kind of, you know, drill sergeant, a little more, you know, tough love. And so I think that that's just different ways to reach what ultimately is a similar philosophy and a similar end goal for the two of them. And I think that's the thing. I don't think the Cowboys organization wide wanted to necessarily change a lot of their philosophies, you know, in terms of how this team is supposed to operate and what it means to be a Dallas Cowboy. I think they still want that same reverence. They still want the same sort of, you know, messaging about fight and you know and those sort of things and and you know the respect of have respect for what it means to be a Dallas Cowboy I just think they looked at it as logistically the the ways that we get to that end goal need to change we need to find somebody else's method of reaching that philosophy I thought was interesting too the terminology uh them and and even Dak saying these guys communicating all the same way yeah that Mm -hmm. was interesting and for you know people who 
questioned that commitment, the fact that he was able to galvanize all these guys at his house to work out, work on the timing. This is a guy that's ready. This is a guy that stays ready. And more importantly, Dak Prescott talking about 90% of this team doing what the Saints did, which was, I'm surprised the league didn't try to do this altogether. Um, mm -hmm. But as Dak explains it, trying to make sure that the healthiest team does, in fact, win. Yeah, I'm already there. Uh, as I said, for me, it's about uh, trying to stay, stay as safe as I can, um, as healthy as I can. Um, without knowing the true future of where this season is going to go, I think it's important for, for us as players to try to create the biggest bubble that we, or the smallest bubble, I guess you can say, but a bubble uh, that we can as amongst players because um, as long as this, this season gets to play out, I think part of it, the healthiest team wins. Um, so that's something that we've come together as leaders um, and, and, taken, and taken on this option to stay in this hotel uh, just, just as that. So we can try to stay healthy. We can all be there for each other. We can set an example for the young guys of, about avoiding downtown or about avoiding the, the other people and where people can go. Um, because what, what's important right now is this, this football team, this season, and not only our health, but the health of, uh, of our family. So I think this is the best way that we can, um, we can make sure that that, that happens. So 90% of the team in the bubble, obviously you've got guys, I would imagine Demarcus Lawrence probably isn't in that bubble. He's got a baby on the way here in October. He might be there for a little bit. Uh, I think mm -hmm. there's a couple of other guys on the team that have got kids on the way. And so, of course, you need to be there to help your, your wife or your significant other. You know, Jordan Lewis has got a, a, a new child. Again, yeah. I'd love to ask a lot of these questions, Bobby. We haven't had a lot of access to them. And quite frankly... I don't know if there's some mandate to not talk to the media. It's one voice, new, one new regime. I haven't heard from a lot of these guys back. So typically I think that's a good thing for the fans as a reporter. Sure. A little frustrating. Yeah, no, and, and, and I mean, undoubtedly, uh, probably swamped in a lot of, you know, logistical catch-up that they, they missed over the summer. And so it's almost like I don't even have time to pick up my phone and, and look at this right now. But, yeah, I think a lot of it also is uh, – I think there's probably a renewed focus for teams across the league on, on secrecy and not tipping your hand and things like that. And because I think that this is such a bizarre year that teams are going to look for any sort of advantage they can have, you know, psychologically or, or as, you know, in terms of X's and O's, since everybody's going to be at sort of a disadvantage physically this year with, you know, the reps that they normally get over the summer disappearing and, and not being able to prepare the way they normally would. How about, you know, we, we've talked about, the Saints being the class of the NFC just because of the continuity with the coaching staff and the players. And then, of mm -hmm. course, you've got the X factor of Tom Brady with, with Tampa. How about the fact that you're removing what I think is one of the biggest things for the Saints, fans in the Superdome? They're not opening up their season without fans. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I mean, shocked by that. Yeah, I mean, that was, and, and obviously – I think everybody is dealing with it a little differently. New Orleans, I know, was a hot spot at one point of uh, COVID infections. And, uh, you know, Jerry talked about it, and we can play this clip here in a sec, but Jerry talked about, you know, some of the benefits they have with ventilation and the way their, you know, stadium works that maybe the Superdome doesn't have. And, and that's the difference with the Superdome is you're packing in all these people and, and making it as loud and as raucous as you can, and then you're capping it. And there's nowhere, nowhere for that to go necessarily if you're having all those people, uh, you know, projecting and, and cheering and such. But um, yeah, a little surprised that New Orleans wouldn't look to kind of maintain that benefit a little bit. And, uh, you know, Dallas, we saw a laundry list of things they released this week and, and protocols that they're going to be practicing. But I mean, they seem pretty committed that they're ready to, you know, approach the season with fans in the stands. 
defiant, in fact. Here's Jerry Jones talking about that. When we sit down and uh, uh, think about uh, football, uh, you're talking to a biased person regarding what football does. You take most things away from me if you say it's not important. John Madden and I, after a ball game where he was the commentator, went to his room and, uh, about uh, 15, 20 years ago, and we were sitting there, and I was feeling good. We'd gotten a win, and I said, John, am I just completely blown out of proportion? Uh, is this as big a deal as I've got it blown up to be? And, of course, John said, Jerry, it's as big a deal. Our country really is and does place football, whether it's misplaced or not, at a very high level. Consequently, to answer your question, it is important. I think it is important individually, but I think it is important uh, in the country. I know the debate going on. I can easily see how X percent of the people would be for uh, it's just not worth the kinds of effort, risk, whatever that's going to go on. I believe it is. Uh, the NFL can uh, uh, be a exciting uh, when I say exciting, it can be an inspirational part of how we address COVID, not only the remainder of this year, but as we go into 21. So it's a big enough deal for me to uh, uh, look at costs in, in uh, every way. Uh, and obviously costs usually are associated with financial. But it's easy for me to justify for the long term of interest in football and the long-term thing that competitive sports bring to the table and what it can bring to uh, the, the country. It's, uh, it's worth it to make the effort for us to have a complete season, and I want to do it in front of our fans. All right, to that end, you would reference this, uh, the list that finally came out, just to get a sense of what it's going to look like at AT&T Stadium, because yep. I've had my question. I, I saw Texas in uh, – Oh, you are playing at Cotton Bowl. So I'm like, how many fans are we? Because we're not going to have a fair this year. <laughs> so let me get this straight. We can't have the fair, but we can have, what, 25%, 50% capacity at, at uh, the Cotton Bowl? Sure, that sounds great. Yeah. So limited stadium capacity. Jerry, I, I love that Jerry kept digging in on this. They've got 3 million square feet at AT&T Stadium. And it sounded like he was going to use all of that to his advantage as it applies to whatever, whatever it's going to be, 25 or 50%. Yep. Uh, with 15 dedicated entries and exits in addition to the 3 million square feet of club concourse and corridor space. I mean, every nook and cranny, weather permitting AT&T Stadium's unique retractable roof and end zone door gives the ability to maximize fresh airflow throughout the building along with the capacity of circulating 840,000 cubic feet per minute of fresh air through its mechanical system. If you haven't been in the suite life, they, they pump Vegas type air through there. You know when you're in Vegas and, and you have that sweet aroma and you feel alive? Mm -hmm. That's what they pump through there. Sometimes I just like to get a whiff of it and, and, and feel rich. Uh, mask policy. Of course, you're going to have to wear a mask. Seating. The tickets will be distributed. This is what I loved. Seat blocks known as pods. So to maintain distance between groups who are not known to one another, this is great. Fans are required to maintain pod integrity by only transferring tickets to family or friends within their trusted group. Each ticket holder should have their own mobile ticket on their device, taking me into mobile-only ticketing, uh, cashless experience, so debit cards, no cash allowed, frictionless entry. So in other words, it's 
They will hmm. go through a frictionless <laughs> security scan, usually 60 socially distanced metal detectors to enter AT&T Stadium. And then uh, they're going to tailgating designated spaces, one space between vehicles is going to be required. And then stadium cleaning, they're going to you know, do all the disinfecting, which again, go watch Real Sports on HBO. Fascinating. They, they created an entire practice facility. And it, it, it's like a Super Bowl party tent with turf and two football fields. And they essentially did what we've seen out in Oxnard. Uh, but mm -hmm. they did it close to the facility. So, well, I, 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 I got to say, frictionless entry is going to be one of my new favorite terms. Can we do that at the airport? Frictionless entry. Yeah, I, I like that. I want to get that. I'm going to use that hashtag from now on. Hashtag frictionless entry. Uh, one other thing that I think was, you know, as we talk about social justice and, and uh, how they're going to handle the mm -hmm. anthem, Jerry was incredibly quiet on that. You know, I tell a story of Monday Night Football in Arizona telling Jerry, 13-year players are going to take a knee. And I have a picture of it. I'll never forget the day. It was me and Todd Archer went over there uh, at ESPN, and he was incredulous. Next thing I know, mm -hmm. he goes and he talks to Stephen and Charlotte, and it's my understanding he went in the locker room, and that's where they came up with the take a knee, back up, and stand for the national anthem, hand over heart, and they got booed. They mm -hmm. get stuck at the elevator, and – Jerry, Steve, the whole brain trust is on their phones, just sort of gauging public interest. And at that time, it, Arizona, I never realized how conservative Phoenix was, by the way. It was, very, it was an interesting time. It's the home of Barry Goldwater. Yeah, very, it was a very interesting time. I guess so close to California, I just assumed it was a lot more liberal. Uh, <laughs> no. So it was right after that that it was toe in the line. And so, well, I'll just we'll play the clip. Jerry on Grace. Well, everybody in this country knows where I stand when it, uh, and where the Cowboys stand when it comes to the flag. Uh, millions of people that represents so much of what's in the past in their lives, whether it's losing loved ones or whether it be uh, an immigrant that came over to America and made his way and fought and fought and fought and created a life we're here today. So we all understand and everybody understands where I stand with the flag. But everybody also understands where I stand on backing our players, the Dallas Cowboy players. My greatest fear, frankly, is because uh, two years ago when this was a focal point issue at the time, standing or kneeling, two years ago, our players, we all came together, and we had many on that team that were thinking about one way and many, many others that were thinking about another way. And I asked them to look at it from the standpoint of not only team, but look at it from the standpoint of the uniqueness of what we can do with the Dallas Cowboys. We basically came up with a way that we would stand. We came up with a way that we would go forward. Uh, the team selected leadership. They met with judges, many, many judges. They asked, uh, interviewed those judges. The judges interviewed the players. Our players went on uh, uh, with uh, police and went out on uh, patrol and went out and were involved when the police, uh, uh, police duty were being performed to get a better understanding from that.
And they, they did commit with everything that we could do to give them support. I'm talking about the Dallas Cowboys. And we basically spoke to this when the issue was really at the forefront uh, just a few months back. And we spoke to this. And consequently, I'm so proud of how our players addressed that at the time. And that was our statement because we had it. We had many, many uh, examples that we could present in programs about where we stand regarding social justice at that time. That was then, and that's how we reacted then. I'm so proud of Dak uh, the other day. He made a plea to the governor of Oklahoma. Those are the active aspects of being uh, to address and help the issue of social justice. Uh, I'm so proud for the Dallas Cowboys and proud of Dak for taking that stance. I don't speak for him. He's going to be on here later today, and he'll speak for himself in this area. But that's, those are areas of doing something about it. The key word about your question, David, is a word called grace. Grace. That was then, two years ago. This is now. We have had very, very sensitive times. I don't need to share that we're also embroiled in a very other sensitive time with the challenge and the war, literally, we're on with the virus. These are very sensitive times. I have nothing to prove as far as where I'm standing with the flag and where the Cowboys stand. I have nothing to prove regarding my, my players and my support of our players. What I do want to show and want us all to be a part of is a word called grace. Grace. Not only grace in our actions, but grace in our understanding where they're coming from. I want our players to understand the perception and where they're coming from regarding the flag and the sensitivity there and the many memories there. And I want our fans to understand and better do because of what's gone on over the last few months. And want them to understand where our players are coming from there. And they do not feel like that the ones that want to uh, basically do that, uh, kneel, they do not feel like they're dishonoring the flag. I'm going to have grace. I've had grace. Many of you have written and criticized me for having too much grace and understanding regarding our players, and I probably have. And I'm going to have grace regarding the people that are sensitive about our flag. Somewhere in between there as the weeks, as we get together with our team, as we discuss with the team, somewhere in between there is how we're going to handle it. So a lot of people were knocking Jerry for this. I thought, I don't know if you follow Jean-Jacques Taylor, uh, I do not. Jean took exception with this. I'll tell Jean, you a story about that later. <laughs> so Jean Jacques Taylor is on 103.3 ESPN here, and he took exception with it, and far be it for me to negate this coming from a black man, but mm -hmm. his issue with the word grace was how it's defined. And I'm trying to find the tweet. Oh, here we go. He writes in his tweet, read the definitions. This is why grace to me was a poor word choice as Jerry talked about players taking a knee during the anthem. Favor or goodwill, a manifestation of a favor, especially by a superior, mercy, clemency, pardon. So I think we can read between the lines of his thoughts on grace. Here's what I'll, I'm prepared to give Jerry the benefit of the doubt 
because Jerry talks about it all the time, that he's a man that's made mistakes and he likes to, to give people second chances because, I mean, we saw that with Michael Irvin through and through. We're seeing that mm -hmm. with Randy Gregory. Go to Ezekiel Elliott for that matter. I mean, go down the list. So I don't – I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt there because I truly believe, and as he stated, he wants grace and people understanding why people are kneeling, and he admitted that things have changed. In yeah. other words, the players have said, you know, which is, you know, over 80% of your league, black players, we're not okay with this. This is important to us. I agree. I think what he's saying by grace is he's, he's managing not only some of the sponsors who took issue with it, but yep. the football fan who turned away from the game as a result of it. Uh, I've got friends and family who've said they're not going to watch football if players take any. And right. we've talked about the dynamics of politics in my family. You want it, we've got it. There's actually a, a really interesting article about my dad's side of the family growing up that every there were six kids in his family and all of them practiced different religions. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Goodness. So, we always have very robust family discussions. Um, just got an interesting text. I don't know what I can say here. Well, while you, while you evaluate that text, I think it's important. You just referenced the religion there and you, you talk about race. Uh, Jerry said that. Dak spoke later and Dak actually had a, a really good statement, I thought, when he came down to, you know, they asked him, you know, what, are, what type of conversations are going on about how you guys are going to handle these protests? And, and this is what he had to say. As, as a football team, you want to represent uh, one group. And I think that's the best part about football is it represents, uh, in a sense, the country. Um, different people from different economic backgrounds, different uh, social backgrounds, different uh, beliefs, um, religion, uh, color, uh, any way you think of it, a football team has everybody um, compiled of all kind of different uh, places and backgrounds that they come from, but we all come together uh, for one common goal, and that's to support each other and to go win. So, I mean, I think in anything that we do, we, we want to kind of represent um, how we can come together and how we can be as one, and that's what this country needs to be right now. Um, and I think that's what everybody um, is, is seeing uh, it's seeing with this, with the world we're in and the crisis that we have going on right now in our country. So um, hopefully we can do something all together. Uh, but then again, I think this, this time is more important to listen um, and not to be personally saying your opinion and personally saying your thoughts uh, because you have to be able to relate to somebody else's perspective um, and understand where they come from and understand the differences that you have and that they have. And so um, it would also be tough just to say that you don't understand why somebody wants to be different and do something um, that represents their family, it represents where they come from, um, and represents their belief. So, yeah, Dak just incredibly impressive in everything he does. I thought it was an incredibly thoughtful response. And as I was, uh, as one guy joked, take a breath, I was short-forming the presser because just so excited to talk football with everyone. <laughs> I didn't want to paraphrase anything that Dak was saying just because I thought it was so thoughtful and speaks to just who he is. I mean, yeah. look, I don't think you should give a guy – a contract because he's a good guy or he's he makes your franchise look good. I mean, if that was the case, we would have paid Sean Lee top of the market money, right? Or Josh it's, McCown or somebody like that. <laughs> great example. But I do believe that you've got a lot of stuff there with Dak that certainly, and as they, they spoke to it too, there's a real hope that they're able to get a long-term deal done. I would certainly hate to see them move on from Dak, because I think he's got the respect of that locker room. We see it from the guys who won't even comment on his contract negotiations, how he feels. Mm -hmm. uh, 
They are just incredibly protective of their guy. And we haven't always seen that with Corey Rocks in Dallas. No, no, we have not. And uh, I, I think it is important that, like you say, you don't want to just pay a guy necessarily because he's a good guy. But as, you know, somebody uh, once told me with the Cowboys that, you know, there's something different about being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. There's something different in every locker room about being the quarterback, but being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, you're expected to speak on everything. You're expected to touch on everything. You have to have a good answer for everything. It can't just be, you know, passing the buck off and uh, you're expected to be a certain type of leader. And I think that's the thing is that you've heard consistently from guys is that when he stepped onto the field and took over, even as a rookie, he always had that command. And, and that's what I think is, is most special to people who watch him is, is the type of leader that he is. And, uh, you know, it helps that he's a, a top quarterback to boot, but the, the mental makeup is a big, big part of why he is uniquely equipped to be quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. So I didn't want to be rude there, Bobby, but I've been working on a story throughout the day. I, I don't know if you saw our boy Dez texting. I did. I saw Dez day. tweeting that he had, uh, all he said was something like, got good news or something like that. Thanks, Des, because I was mid-plank in my yoga class and <laughs> running that down. Here's what I'll say. There are people being very coy about this right now, but he's got to work out. Oh. I can't tell you who it's with. I can't tell you when it is, but he's got to work out. So we'll see how this goes for Des. Say it's the Philadelphia Eagles, just to get everybody all worked up. I can tell you that it is not the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you guys guessed with the 31 other teams then. Yes. But <laughs> I, I think a lot of people were waiting. Obviously, you're allowed to have 16 people on your practice squad mm -hmm. as a result of COVID. You've got opt-outs. There is a need there. Um, I do think there's a lot of questions about Dez as it relates to the injury and where he's at. His videos certainly show that he has looked leaner. He has put in yeah. the work. Well, we saw him up close. We saw he looked in better shape than he did, you know, a year ago. Yeah, and here's what I'll also say about Dez. Dez has been out there hustling for himself. In other words, he's been mm -hmm. reaching out to people in a decision-making uh, department to try and get for himself. So I like to see people who do the work. Who which can, which can I say, I don't want somebody to twist that. You, you know, you pointing out that he is reaching out. I, I don't want somebody to listen to that and go like, oh, how sad. He's got to go out and reach out on his own. Let me tell you guys, it happens so much more often than you know that, like, people call in and, and reach out to certain individuals to try and make things happen. I don't know if people remember. That's how DeMarco Murray got his contract in Philadelphia. He listen, wasn't getting I, the offers he wanted. I'm not sitting around waiting for my agent to go get me jobs. I'm, right. I'm putting myself out there. Your agent's job is – to help you negotiate the best money possible and, and look at your contract and look over your interests should that contract be breached or there's a conflict of interest. But, but you'll yeah. generate those leads, damn it. Yes, I will. <laughs> I always have. Um, shout out to Jim Ornstein, though, amazing agent at William Morris. But I, I know a lot of people have sort of joked about the Des comeback. And look, it's just a workout at this point. But I do think, and I know, because I've talked to teams, that there has at least been, they're looking over, I mean, we're talking about teams that are looking at college tape as it relates to how does this player look. You weren't able to bring in uh, undrafted free agents or free agents during COVID. So right. it's not surprising that there are at least teams going, this is interesting. What I'll say, though, and especially as this relates 
outs. I've had at least two coaches tell me that when a player's out, it is really hard to come back in. I mean, the yeah. odds are stacked against Des in that respect, That and Antonio Brown for that matter. Uh, what's interesting is that people still will give Antonio Brown the looks when he's got all these pending legal matters and suspensions, but everyone sort of rolls their eyes at Des. Um, and maybe I'm not objective because you know, <laughs> I've been involved with, you know, Des trying to come back. And I will just say this mentally, he seems like place ever. And he's been consistently putting in the work. I mean, we've talked to David Robinson before. I think David's been good for him. David has made him work on his mechanics. David has made him show up to practice. Um, David keeps him honest. David, David, David will stay on top of, De and Des has said this, that David gets him going on the days he doesn't want to get going. David gets him out. And so, and, and that's not, there are lots of guys who, who don't want to go do their workouts on certain days. So that's not unusual. What, what you need in your life is somebody who can pull you out on those days where you don't want to. And that's the thing that, you know, uh, Des has gotten with, uh, with David. Um, it's something Des told us he got. We'll talk to Bobby Stroop from APEC here in a second. Something he said he got with Bobby, that Bobby's able to pull him out on those sorts of days. And so that's the thing. I think it's, it's good that when everything ended in Dallas, Des talked about how he kind of isolated and, and kind of just decided to go off and, and deal with things. And I think that's the thing. I don't think he had that circle necessarily that was encouraging him of, come on, let's get out here. I know you don't want to, but it's time. And, and that's the difference, I think, this time around is he does have that right now, the people that are motivating him on the days he's not necessarily motivated himself to go out there. And, look, he addressed this with us in our podcast a few months back. He was not in a good place. Um, the texts just keep coming in, Bobby. <laughs> you uh, want to do a plank while you're doing this? Yeah, well. Knock those amazing. out? News never stops. No, like uh, you said, he, he, he said to us, he wasn't necessarily in a good place. And, and that, you know, you didn't want the Des Bryant. You know, he says that, you know, teams didn't want Des Bryant back then. Even if they thought they did, they didn't want that version of Des. This is the version of Des, he says, that they would want. Is the one that's ready to go out there and is hungry and, and is ready to compete. Um, you know, again, like I said, we'll talk to Bobby Stroop here in a sec. Bobby said that's one of the things that he loves about when Des is in there working out is that he brings such a great contagious energy for other people and, and that they want to push themselves and, and, you know, they feel, you know, more energized and, and are able to power through those workouts because of that energy that he brings in there. And so when you get Des in the right state of mind and you get that, that Des Bryant energy just right, uh, you know, it, it allows for good things to happen. I, I want to see Des succeed. But I think for Des to succeed, he needs to go to a team where he is not going to be wide receiver one or two. He needs to literally be a third option, a red zone threat. He needs a disciplinarian type coach that's going to hold him accountable, make him show up on time, go to the treatment. And I think it would behoove him for it to be a place where it's away from Texas. Uh, in other words, it's just Des and his teammates, no distractions. So what you're saying is Jason Garrett and the New York Giants. Is where Des is heading. Yeah, I don't know. No, okay, game. no, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, which is a perfect segue for us to talk to a guy that's actually seen Des in motion, Bobby Shrew. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my! Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid back appeal and down home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility Dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Joining us now is Bobby Stroop. He is the president of APEC, one of the top training facilities for athletes in the country. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter, at Bobby Stroop. And uh, we're going to talk to him today about a lot of different things. He's got his hand in, you know, a lot of places and has a lot of knowledge and we're excited to talk to him. Bobby, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of both of you and uh, Jay and I even have some Tyler Texas connections. So we haven't come yet. So I worked at CBS 19 and Tyler. What is the tie in there? I mean, I don't know. I was, you know, they talk about journeyman quarterbacks, but I was, <laughs> I was a young man out and about. I have no idea. Hopefully we never, uh, cross pass out at the pub or wherever else. <laughs> Jack's on the square was one of my favorites. It had the Twizzler martinis, which was always funny. It is a small town, so I'm actually surprised that I, I never ran into you. Of course, uh, I was dating and then later married to the sports director. So okay, us, hey. us, us news people sort of stuck together. Uh, <laughs> but as I learned, you don't marry people in the business, Bobby. I digress. <laughs> uh, we were, before we brought you on, we were talking about Des. Uh, I had stated Des has a workout, uh, and I think it makes sense given that people are able to expand their practice squads with COVID and the opt-outs, uh, that you just want to be able to at least evaluate a player right now in the event you've got a player down and you need to bring – I mean, people, staffs are literally turning over, I think, every rock. I mean, we've even heard in Dallas they're looking at college tape as it relates to some of their younger players. You've seen – does in action when he was out there working out with Patrick Mahomes you see a lot of players in action what was your honest impression of Des Bryant I think early in the offseason his body still needed a lot of work you know his ankle and some other things that he had no injuries it was just there was a gap there but as the offseason went on he was steady he did great work with David he was consistent he dropped I want to say around 14 pounds total and wow. you can see on the videos, I mean, he's moving a lot better. He's moving cleanly. His routes are as good as they've ever been. And most importantly, he had a real focus 
and just an energy about him that, you know, I, I didn't know Des before, but it seemed, it was new to me that it, the experience of seeing that with him and you could tell how much he loves the game of football and how passionate he is about it right now. So th- that was what stuck out to me is how serious he is about this, how much he loves the game. And of course, uh, the thing that's always made him special in the field is his, his incredible ball skills, which I was able to, to witness and, you know, his passion for the game, you know, even out there just working out, he's pouring into these, to these young kids and teaching and, it was a cool thing to see. Now, Bobby, I don't know if you're a golfer, but I've taken it up uh, pretty aggressively the last two years. And when I post videos of my golf swing, it's my best stuff. We see a lot of Dez's stuff on Instagram and Twitter. Is that a fair representation of what you were seeing with him and Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. I mean, he, he, it is what it is. And I think Dez has been pretty consistent about just putting out there whatever it is that day. I don't think he's filtering through it too much. And you can see marked improvement. If you go back and look early in January, you know, and then all the way through now, you can see improvement with his body, the way he moves, his kinesthetic awareness, his balance, his ability to push off from the right to the left, left to the right, to be able to stop on a dime, come back to the ball and track it. You know, he's really, he's really improved and his body continues to improve. And I've been impressed with this consistent positivity and, and just love for the game. And he's, He's serious about it, and he's never had a doubt that he's going to get this opportunity. He does have this ability to manifest and will himself when other people literally stack the cards against him. I never count him out, so to put the Des discussion to rest, because I know people sort of laugh when Bobby and I talk about it because we talk about him a lot. Uh, he certainly deserves a certain a, a second chance, or at, at least the workout like that I said that he's getting in, and hopefully that works out for him. Absolutely. I think we all know he's – He's a difficult matchup on, you know, third down, short, difficult around the goal line. He's got great ball skills, and that body's a difficult one to defend. I mean, he's, he's one of a kind and has a lot of records and, and is thought of that way for a reason. Well, and one of the things that, Bobby, you do, you, you do a lot of stuff there. I know you train guys before the draft. You don't just train football players. You do a lot with uh, Major League Baseball players. Trevor Story, I know, is a guy who's worked with you a lot. Um, you obviously work with Patrick Mahomes. He's always out there coming out there during the off season and putting in his work. Um, but one of the things that outside of just the draft work that you've done, how unique has it been during the COVID process where guys aren't necessarily, they haven't been able to be at their facilities or, or be out there. Um, how much have they been coming to you and, and trying to get their preparation ready? And, and how is that different, you know, pre-draft training versus trying to help guys get ready for the season when they don't have their, practice facility to go to yeah so when all this hit I think everyone had their own personal disasters for us we were finishing up draft preparation and a lot of these athletes didn't have pro days to finish and the the Thursday we well on Wednesday at 5 p.m. we got shut down that Thursday morning we had scouts former scouts flying in I talked to two GMs about camera angles, exactly what they wanted. And I couldn't get the city of Fort Worth to give me 12 more hours to finish it up. And I understand. And, um, but we were threatened and it was tough. And that cost a lot of kids an opportunity to put, you know, official numbers out there. And as you know, that can be a problem for some people. Maybe that's a, that's a help. But for us, that was something that, that hurt. It hurt because we wanted it for a lot of those athletes and kids that have worked so hard and improved. And so I think that's difficult. Uh, one of the advantages we had and some of our athletes had is we already have a, a private virtual platform 
that we use because we do a lot of consulting around the world. We only have two locations, so we send out a lot. And we were able to, on the next day, provide our athletes with something tangible that has videos of every exercise. They can put in input. And we can track actually how much time they look at each exercise and how long they've been on the app that day per workout and, and so on and so forth. So there's some accountability measures there and some things that they had at their disposal immediately. But I think in an event like this, you know, professionals are exposed. So professionalism is exposed. So the professionalism that you have is going to either rise you up or it's going to drop you down. And I think that you're going to see that with a lot of the rookies that really didn't know what it took to, to play at this level from a preparation standpoint. And I think you're going to see that with a lot of the veterans and the players in the NFL that constantly need babysitting versus the ones that might even do better with more free time. And I think that some of the athletes we've had the opportunity and been blessed to work with and, and have relationships with over the years, I think they've used this to their advantage to take longer amount of time to either build in skill sets or maybe add something to the list. I think Bobby, we've talked about this before. You know, I like to have conversations with our guys coming in and almost approach it like an NBA offseason. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you want to make a long, do you want to add this long range jumper from, from this side of the court? But for a football player, it's, you know, what part of your physicality do we want to change and answer? What part of your game do we want to answer? And when you get this much time, you can add things to the list. And for the guys that we've been working with, that's most certainly what we've been doing. How many Cowboys players have you had working out there, Bobby? You know, through the years, it's off and on. We've had a few in this offseason. For, for me, I'm, a, I'm a more of a performance consultant, you know, talking to individuals, setting plans, and letting them work. Um, but probably, you know, this offseason, probably five, six, but through the years, we've had 10 to 12. It just depends. You know, it's, it's 60 miles from their door to ours. So it's, it's a ways, and for them to come out, there's got to be a problem to be solved. You know, there's, there's a lot out there to help those guys. Not a lot of problems to be solved, I imagine, with Patrick Mahomes. You know, you were just talking about professionalism. What makes that kid so special? He, he's a unicorn. You know, Patrick is, is never content, and he's got this confidence about him that's incredibly just unique that in, in a way that it's respectful, but – it's always present no matter what that we're doing. And, um, I mean, he's just one of the more creative people that I've ever known from a physical standpoint. He can move in eight different directions better than most of us can move forward and backward. He can produce power in eight different force vectors better than anybody can in one. And that's upper body and a lot of times lower body and even speed in a, in a small range and in a, in a, in any type of scenario in which it's, it's three to six feet, he's an elite mover. And so it's not just that he's out there doing this wheels off thing. You know, we see it. And the throws he makes, those off-platform throws, he practices those things. And it's not just happenstance that it happens uh, in the game. So, I mean, there's so many things that make him unique, but the way he treats people, um, you don't ever have to tell him anything twice. You know, he's constantly improving at a rate that I've never seen at everything that he works at, and, and he's competitive. I mean, this offseason, he was out running NFL linebackers and running backs in workouts that were timed in the four fives in short sprints and letting them know about it. <laughs> and, and anything we do with a, a radar gun, 
anything we do that's a lift, he just attacks it, man. He loves every day. He enjoys. He has a lot of fun. I've never worked with an athlete that just has more fun every day. So I could go on and on. He's such a good kid. When you say unicorn, I've, I've told Bobby this story and uh, names will be withheld here. But <laughs> rookie season, he was in town with his girlfriend. And as a rookie, he was sort of incredulous about some of the Cowboys players. And he approached a Cowboys player who didn't really pay much attention to him. And he had said to me, I never want to be like that. And I said, you never will, because <laughs> he is just such a different cat. But that was a story about Patrick that just really stood out to me. As, and you talk about how he is people. He is just a lovely, lovely human who makes a lot of sense in Kansas City. Yeah, I'm happy for him. I mean, rarely do we see people get what they deserve. And, you know, he's getting just that. And he's got an opportunity to build a real legacy for himself. And, you know, I just I couldn't be more happy. It's exactly what, you, what you've seen is exactly who he is. Bobby, I know that you don't just, you know, prep these guys for, you know, the 40 time and, and do other things like that. I mean, I mean, you really get down uh, to where they're at physically and, and, you know, where they may have some weaknesses and, and where they need to improve. Um, so knowing the totality of, of physical performance and things like that, how much do you think this season where it, at potential risk, I guess, uh, with such little time to ramp up and, and not the same sort of physical reps uh, that we see typically during the summer. How much at risk do you think we are at seeing uh, an increase in injuries early on in the season whenever it is that they take the field? I think we're, we're at a high exposure. I think, it, I think a lot of the players learned their lesson from the 2011 lockout. I think there, the injuries up, were up in around 30%. But the way I equate it to guys is if you work on your skills, that's working on – the race car driver aspect of it. At some point, you've got to focus on the vehicle that you're driving. And if you don't, that vehicle will diminish over time. No matter how good a car that is, if you've ever had a sports car or a high-end motorcycle, that requires a lot of maintenance. And some of these guys get out of balance when they get free time. They don't necessarily stop working. They just do the things they like. Mm -hmm. So what you're prone to is you're prone to little things that can sneak up that have just been neglected. And it's not from lack of effort. It's from not having a team of people with different agendas and responsibilities watching over every aspect of your performance. And that's why there's value there. Now, like I said, some people are going to come in and they're going to have some of the better seasons of their life because they've had times to get things straight physically, mentally, and spiritually. So there's a lot that goes to it. But when you look at an athlete, it's, it's, it's mainly chain reaction biomechanics. It's, it's how, how can they function with the organism that they have and their proprioception abilities, their abilities to perceive and react in space, that's independent of strength and speed. Those are, those are athletic markers that you can call intangible, but they've got to be honed and trained because if not, when you get out there and you're using those things, if your tissues haven't been exposed to it, your risks go up. And so trying not to be too nerdy with you, but <laughs> the, risk, the, the risks are high. I mean, they are. And, and we know that the offense and defense, one's going to be way ahead of the other. It's a debate on which one you think. But the first game, there's risk for people missing assignments and doing certain things. And there's going to be some freaky plays out there week one and week two. Do you think that, uh, you know, some of the 
college guys who were getting in that pre-draft work and, and were ramping up during a time when veterans were maybe recharging or, or off to the side and then COVID hits and they don't have access to those facilities the way they normally would to go back and start getting their bodies in shape. Do you think there's a, an opportunity here for maybe some of these rookies, whereas they won't be as caught up on, on some of the nuances or the X's and O's as the veterans, that they've got a, a physical advantage due to the fact that they were doing all the pre-draft training and that their bodies are in a better spot right now than potentially some of these veterans are? I think it's possible depending on the issues that they had from a physical standpoint, but the draft preparation process depending on where you go, there's not a lot of training that you do that's going to cross over. Now, we try to have a healthy mix that puts guys in a position to go play. We've got a good track record for guys coming in and playing early. However, you know, when you're just running 40s and practice on 40 starts and measurement-focused type drills, that's definitely not preparing your body for resiliency. And resiliency is a, is a key component in the game of football. So a lot of the things that these young kids, these rookies don't do well is – they don't eat and they don't sleep well. And that factors into day-to-day competition being inconsistent. And then with those inconsistencies, inconsistencies, risk factors go up. Because when you get into those NFL training camps, as you know, like what they're experiencing now, they're having game day competition every single day. And a lot of them don't have the mental stamina for that yet, just because they haven't been exposed. And they definitely don't have the physical stamina for that yet. And so I would love to say there's an advantage for some of the rookies and maybe there is on certain positions and certain guys, but veterans always know what to expect and they've got a confidence about their ability to make it through that. And quite honestly, they're able to angle their preparation to fit what's worked for them in the past. So I think that honestly, I think that the veterans are heavy, heavily advantaged in this. And I think a lot of them are going to retain their jobs uh, more than normal unfortunately, for the rookies coming in. Before we let you go, I am curious. Obviously, this is a hypothetical, and, and we don't know what the spring's going to look like as it relates to COVID. But, you know, with so many of these conferences canceling football, some of them trying to play in the spring, and even our own Tom Pellicero talking about this notion that we could have a draft as late as June 2nd without going back to the CBA table, how do you think this is going to affect a player that may not play a year of football or – may play football in the spring and then it's going to be required to somehow get a combine. Is this going to be where facilities like yours are important in the sense that they're going to get tape, they're they're going to get, I'm just kind of curious you and and some of the guys you work with, have you guys been kicking around what the future is going to look like as all of this relates to the NFL next season? I think that's an excellent question. And I don't want to, I know this seems counterintuitive, but, you know, we want what's best for the players. And for a long time, I've advocated against the combine. And I think what's best is that the draft happened right after the season. There's, there's really no reason to go make these guys do this anymore because you've got all this information. Communication lines are open. You know what, from the strength coaches what they have done and what they can do. You can even go watch workouts. Many of these conferences have GPS data. So if you're unfamiliar with that, they, they wear chips on game day and in practice and they get their max miles per hour, their power output. They know how fast these guys are. So there's no reason to go out there and see, okay, if I put the, if I sleep deprive these athletes, put them in one of the coldest places in the planet for a week away from everybody they know, and then see how they run the fourth day. What is that? What are we really testing? You know, what are we doing? And I know that sounds crazy from somebody that trains combine, but 
if they if they move football to the spring and they had the draft four weeks after that and no combine, I think the scouts that are good at their job are going to still do the best, and the ones that aren't good at their job are still going to do the worst. And hopefully, we start drafting the best football players. And I think if you look at the track record the last three years especially, there's less people picked on combine performance. Maybe in the third round, there's some reaches for some character, character guys. Second round is extreme. But combine performances are being less and less of a determining factor on where guys get drafted. And quite honestly, I think that's a positive thing. I would much rather spend the entire offseason working on rebuilding an athlete for how they, they want to attack and play this game at the next level. It'd be more valuable for us. It'd be more valuable for them. And I think it would help with, with the draft evaluations as well. Well, to your point, I mean, the Rams and the Raiders clearly thought as much of that because they weren't at the – one didn't show up. The other was only there for one day. So I thought that was interesting. Bobby, you got any others for him? I mean, just the last thing I'm a little curious about because I know we, we mentioned uh, we started out with one, uh, you know, sort of reclamation project or comeback story, and, and we talked about how we all love those. I, I know somebody else that we're hearing a little bit of discussion about now here is that Randy Gregory may get reinstated soon, and I know that that's actually a guy who, for a lot of people who don't know, Randy's been putting in work off the field pretty consistently, and I know that that's somebody that actually came to APEC at, at one point in the last year or so to, to get in his work. Uh, what were your impressions of him and, and where he's at? Well, I think Randy, again, has a lot of passion and seems to be incredibly um, dedicated to this journey right now. And in speaking to him, it just it, it's incredibly important that he do this. And I think that he's made a lot of changes in his life personally. And you can tell by the tone of his voice that that he's ready for this next step. Physically, he looks incredible. I mean, he's always been imposing, but – from, from our standpoint, he's gained weight. He was consistent with his work. He's, he's always been an elite mover for his position. And so a lot of those things that he was thought that could develop, they have developed physically. And I think that he'll be an asset to any team. He was always a great player uh, with the personal issues that he had or the way those things were viewed by the league is probably a better way to put it. I think that with those behind him, it's a no-brainer. And I think those things are most definitely behind him. Our experience with him was uh, nothing but class, and he was very professional. He came in and worked with one of our coaches uh, probably for, for a long period of time. Made some good strides. And the guy was driving an hour each way. He didn't have to do that. And we were impressed with his work ethic. We were impressed with, with just the person he was and his dedication. So I think he's a great pickup, and I hope things get worked out quickly. I hope the league answers the bell and, and, and finishes this evaluation of what they want to do with him and let him go on with his life because at this point – He's a grown man that's done everything he needs to do to put himself in position for success, and he needs an opportunity to succeed or fail right now on his own merit. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. I always love when we get uh, other people to come in as a second layer because, like I said, sometimes I think we get pegged the Des and Randy fan club. (laughs) But when you interact with these guys and have authentic relationships and communication with them, as you have, Bobby, you sort of get it. And Mm -hmm. I don't think some people take the time to get to know these guys. And it's just – it's lazy and it's an easy narrative just to dismiss some of them. But – I celebrate second chances, and I know Jerry does for that matter, too. So, <laughs> Exactly. Bobby, thank you so much for your time. Such a wealth of information, and looking forward to see how your guys do throughout the season. And fingers crossed, none of those accidents that I, I think that we're possibly expecting to see in the first and second week in the absence of a preseason, none of those are too serious. And uh, your guys especially stay healthy. God bless you guys. I appreciate you having me on. All right, so looking forward to finally seeing these guys in pads. Felt so good to have a real football podcast, Bobby, right? I know. We're actually talking about football now and not, you know, implications of sickness and, uh, you know, all all sorts of logistical stuff. We're actually going to, you know, see ball being played, which I know everybody. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. 
Exclusions apply.